Wilson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We all love a little drama, right? We love those dirty details. I don't uh, I don't like to admit it, but uh, but I do. I love to see drama. And typically here on the Wisco Sports Show, we don't really get into that a whole lot because sports, by nature, is just it's not reality TV, right? It's not music radio. It's not about the gossip, not about the drama. But we do have some interesting tidbits today, specifically about Aaron Rodgers and I guess by extent, Mike McCarthy, too, and and this Packers offense uh, from a couple people who have played in the Packers offense or just wrapped up playing in 2018 in the Packers offense. It's fascinating. I want to share that with you. And normally when I'm doing stuff over on Z93, it's all about the gossip, right? It's all what did this celebrity say? Who's dating? Who's not? And it's kind of it's kind of fun to bring that over here. I feel feel guilty. A little guilty pleasure over here on WKTY today. I love it. So uh, so let's get into that. We do actually have a little bit of news, too, that I want to touch on in about 10 minutes. Uh, the Packers have added a, a, a name to be interviewed uh, coming up this weekend to their head coaching search. And it's not a surprise. I'm, I'm actually very happy about it. I, it was a name that a lot of people thought, you know, why, why aren't the Packers interested in that name? You know, other, other teams and, and other organizations had inquired. Well, it's Adam Gase. I'm not going to keep you in the dark. That would be lame. Uh, you're going to hopefully you're going to be listening anyways. But Adam Gase is set to be interviewed on Sunday, so we'll talk about that coming up here uh, in about ten minutes as we really dig into this Packers coaching search. This um, this gossip and this drama that I speak of, the, the really the only reason why it's pertinent and why it's interesting is because it very well could affect the upcoming Packers coaching search, right? I'm not just here to talk drama and to talk uh, gossip about Packers players or, or what goes on inside uh, the building at 1265 Lombardi. That's that's not why I'm here. It's It's got to have some purpose. It's got to have some meaning, right? And I'm I'm going to give that to you. So uh, not only a statement made by Mercedes Lewis uh, by on any Yahoo Sports article, but also a conversation had between Mercedes Lewis and uh, Martellus Bennett on a sports show through Complex. It, it dropped late last night. I don't want to say dropped, but uh, that was posted late last night, and I saw it, so I'll pass that along to you as well. You can chime in on anything you're hearing, anything we're talking about, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Twitter's open as well, at WKTY, at Keystroker Grant. Let's get into this. Um, the number one thing, let's start with Mercedes Lewis uh, and his statement, this is what he had to say, and this is kind of the setup statement that Yahoo provides. It's just a small little chunk. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, he even detailed one instance in a game where Rodgers blatantly ignored the play that McCarthy sent into the huddle simply because he didn't like it. This is actually uh, Mercedes Lewis's statement and his quote. One time I really saw it for the first time we were in the huddle. I guess McCarthy called in a play and Aaron was kind of like, nah, Lewis said. He gave a direction and a protection to the line and went. In a four-minute offense, he threw a 40-yard bomb for a completion. I'm like, what is really going on? I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Now, somebody chimed in uh, on the five-star telecom talking text line. I was looking at some texts from this morning. Now, to Mercedes Lewis's credit, the quarterbacks that he's played with in the last couple of years are Blake Bortles and Chad Henney and whoever else has been going on down in Jacksonville. So, obviously, it's it's a big difference, but I think this speaks volumes to the possible rift and to the possible conflict that was going on between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy week in and week out, especially leading up to the divorce back after the Cardinals game and whatever that was, week 14 or week 13, I don't remember, week 12 maybe, and the the eventual firing of coach uh, Mike McCarthy. Rodgers says, I don't like to play. We're not going to run it. And, it, and it's notice how he says it because the optics are important. He says, nah, 
call the play, and Aaron was kind of like, nah. It wasn't, well, I don't agree with Mike. I want to tweak this. I want to do this. It was just like, nah. We ain't doing anything. Like, yeah, we'll let him go ahead. Let him do his piece. Let him stay his shtick, you know, into the into my headset. And then, yeah, we're just not going to do it anyways. I'm, I don't want to say it's disrespectful, but very, uh, very dismissive. Now, of course, that's the verbiage that Mercedes Lewis used. Maybe if you were to ask him, he would describe it differently if you gave him more detail and more time. Now, obviously, it's an article. You, you can't uh, transcribe an hour-long conversation or an interview. But it's interesting, nonetheless, the extended content and more content, I should say, from Mercedes Lewis was actually sitting down and talking with Martellus Bennett, among others, but they're the only two voices you're going to hear in this video through Complex Sports. Now, this scene reminds me um, of a scene from one of my favorite TV shows. I don't know if any of you watch uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, obviously, it's not on anymore, but I, I've seen just about every episode a handful of times. It was on Netflix a couple of years ago, and I, man, I saw every episode a couple of times through. And one of the episodes is uh, where Raymond's mother, Marie, has over Robert, Raymond's brother, has over all of her ex-girlfriends, his ex-girlfriends, uh, and one of his coworkers as well. Like every, anybody and everybody who would have details on Robert's love life and his personal life and how he behaves was sat down in a room and Robert walked in and was like, oh my God. And they're all talking, right? They're all talking. That's kind of how this felt, right? Martellus Bennett, who I don't want to say maybe had that last laugh with Green Bay, but was saying, man, something's not right here. I'm, I don't want to play here anymore, essentially. And he quit on the team. Uh, I'm not going to mince words, and that was his option to do. I'm not saying he's a bad person for it. If you know, if he doesn't care what people think of him, especially in the state of Wisconsin, that's one thing. And now sitting down with Mercedes Lewis, who for a year of playing with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy noticed some of the dysfunction, and I don't want to use the word toxicity because I just don't know, right? I'm not in that locker room. We don't know how these players interact with each other, but dysfunction can definitely be said, especially given how poor their offense was in stretches this year. So this is Mercedes Lewis, whose voice you are going to uh, first year. Actually, I think Martellus Bennett is the first voice. Mercedes uh, Lewis has a very deep voice, so he will kind of stand out. But talking about not only the dysfunction of the offense between Rodgers and McCarthy, but also just how the system really isn't great for a tight end in general. This is their conversation. It's about a minute long. His office was one of the worst tight ends you could put, uh, offices you could be in as a tight end. No question. Like you're, you're not getting the seam balls. You're not getting the deep sevens. You're not getting the deep over routes. They don't call that. They got, so I think the, a lot of stuff that you build as a tight end that would be productive, I think that's a, real, a lot of reasons why they haven't had a productive tight end, like an overly productive tight right. end in years there because of the way that offense is run. But also Aaron likes to throw the ball. To the, out, to the outside of the field and not in the middle of the field. So it's like when you look at as a tight end, when you look at certain quarterbacks, there's some people who like to eat up the middle. But right. Aaron like to hit them outside comebacks, 19-yard, 25-yard comebacks. He just like to show off. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing the ball from one hash all the way to the sideline. Did he ever hit you with a no-look pass? Did he? Did you drop it? Bro, nah. I, I like bobbled it and caught it. I dropped it. <laughs> I was like, what the f*** was that? Bro. So there, there you go, a conversation maybe about the – the offensive style and, and maybe how it isn't ideal for certain players like tight ends for sure. And a little bit of the dysfunction as well. Interestingly enough, I didn't really hear Martellus Bennett disparage Aaron Rodgers. More so just talk about his style of play and the offense and how it isn't really conducive to tight end success. As we saw this year with Jimmy Graham and obviously with Martellus Bennett last year. None of this by itself means a whole heck of a lot. You know, you take in these statements, you take in these interactions with Former Packers and, and Mercedes Lewis obviously just wrapped up his 2018 on this team. All this information is now out there and we're hearing people talking about it because I think the narrative has switched with the Green Bay Packers. Three years ago, they were uh, an elite franchise who was in the Super Bowl conversation, storied, right? And in the last two years, 
that reputation has really taken a hit. And I think the conversation and the narrative is really switched and, and bits and pieces like that only add to that changing narrative. And how does that affect the head coaching search? Because when I, when I opened the show today, I said, look, I'm not here to gossip. I'm not here to, to talk about players or their games behind their back. Not that they would listen anyways, but we're not just here to talk about it. This, this has to have some great meaning. It has to have some, some pertinence. And I think when it comes to the head coaching search, head coaches, especially ones with multiple options, I, I think, uh, Adam Gase will probably have a, his pick and uh, Josh McDaniels, should he want it, has multiple options. They look at all this stuff and they hear this and said, well, if I could make my pick and and if it really is up to me, I'm going to weigh these things. I'm going to think about these things, right? And I think, I don't know if this is going to impact a head coaching search. I don't know if coaches are, are going to think about this, but it's some, stuff they hear, stuff that they have to take into consideration, right? Does this may I don't know if it makes the job look any less desirable, is any of this stuff stuff we already don't know, right? Is this new to us? I mean, now we're hearing it articulated. But I don't know if it's any new information. It's specific information. I don't know if it's new. And does this make the job look any less desirable? I'm not sure. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. I'd love to have a conversation. Coming up next, uh, we're going to continue along these lines. And I want, I want to keep this conversation rolling. But I want to bring two variables in. Um, especially with these interviews. They, they interviewed the, the New England bunch today, and now Adam Gase is scheduled for Sunday. We'll see if they stack up any more interviews. I, I think there are two big keys to the head coaching search. Two words. They both start with an A. I want to go over those, and maybe we can take those and we can apply them to what we just talked about. We can we can talk about uh, my two keys that I was thinking of this morning, things that the Packers are going to have to have in the front of their mind and, and things that they're focusing on, and we can take those two keys and we can apply them uh, to what Mercedes Lewis had to say to what Martellus Bennett had to say, and especially the narrative now of Aaron Rodgers, that maybe he's difficult, he's hard to coach, he doesn't listen, maybe disrespectful to his head coach. Take these keys, and we'll apply them. We'll look through that lens, and maybe we can get a a clear answer and a clear idea of maybe how this head coaching search is going to turn out. That all coming up. Your thoughts, hopefully, on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line, all coming up next here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just hopping in your car, driving home, you had a busy afternoon, maybe you didn't see. First of all, if you're just hopping into the car, thanks for uh, tuning in. Hope you're having a good evening. And second, the Packers now have added a name to their head coaching uh, search to be officially interviewed on Sunday. That's Adam Gase. So if you hadn't heard that already, there you go. And and we can kind of fold that right into our uh, our Packers talk today. I do want to talk Badgers basketball coming up at about 530 because they suffered an ugly loss at Minnesota, uh, to Minnesota, I should say, at home last night. And I don't want to be the bringer of negative news or try to put an overly positive spin on it. I think I'm somewhere in the middle on this loss, and there's a couple details specifically I want to get into, including building off a point that we made on New Year's Day. I very remember uh, I remember specifically talking about it, so we'll get into that. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Here's what we're talking about. We just finished kind of summarizing and going over some words that Lance Kendricks, or not Lance Kendricks, Mercedes Lewis had to say, and Martellus Bennett had to say. None of them very complimentary to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if they were specifically derogatory, but I don't know if it paints Rodgers in a great light, right? And and now how do these statements and new pieces of information that have come down the wire, whether it was through that uh, Mercedes Lewis interview with Yahoo Sports, or if it was through that complex sports show, with Martellus Bennett, Mercedes Lewis. However, and wherever that stuff shows up, it's all taken into account, and it's all going into these coaching candidates' minds somewhere. Does this make this job less desirable? I mean, is this stuff that 
head coaches aren't already preparing themselves for when thinking about coming to Green Bay? I don't know. Uh, if you have a thought on that, please let me know. We can try to work together. Two keys, I was thinking this morning, and it's nice, they both start with the same letter. Two keys that are huge, I think, to this Packers coaching search are attitude and availability. Now, availability might seem kind of kind of obvious, but I'll, I'll explain more in detail. It'll, it'll make more sense when we get there. Let's start with attitude. So the Packers have problems. If they didn't have problems, they wouldn't be hiring a new head coach. So the problems on their face, uh, if somebody asks you right now, uh, Grant, you need to go coach the Green Bay Packers right now. What's your number one problem you need to solve? Uh, I would say, well, you need to rein in Aaron Rodgers. As a head coach, you need to rein in, maybe kind of break him down, uh, reapproach the way that the offense is going to be run because you can't have that kind of dynamic where the quarterback is poo-pooing the plays and almost being disrespectful in the huddle just to do his own thing. Every once in a while, that's great, and that's a great secondary skill set for Aaron Rodgers, but we need to, to rein it in form something a little bit more replicable down in and down out, something more consistent and something that can produce long-term success, right? Not something that's a flash in the pan here, there, and then you have these long doldrums. So number one priority is Aaron Rodgers. Number two is probably, uh, as especially as an offensive-minded head coach, which a couple interviews, Adam Gase included, uh, are going to include, getting the wide receivers and the quarterback, and I guess this is an extension of Aaron Rodgers, getting the wide receivers tuned up and and performing in the right way. Uh, other than that, in my opinion, a lot of the problems that the Green Bay Packers have are personnel. Now, you, you want good coordinators, you want good coaching staffs, but I don't think anybody is saying, hey, they have great players, they're not being coached right, except for maybe Aaron Rodgers. That's the number one priority, and, and coaches know that coming in. No prospective candidate is walking into Mark Murphy's office or inviting Mark Murphy into theirs, being surprised um, by Aaron Rodgers' questions, right? That's everyone's number one priority is how are you going to coexist with Aaron Rodgers? You have to have the right attitude. And for these coaches who are coming in or interviewing to come in and, and be the Green Bay Packers coach, they need to have the attitude that they have everything under control, right? Because you might read some of these problems and you might read about some of these issues and incidents and you might think, wow, I don't know if this is a, a reparable thing. Can this be fixed? Right, I don't know how you would even go about this as a head coach. That head coach can't have that attitude. That's what I'm saying. That head coach has to roll in and say, I, hey guys, I, I know what we're going to do. And as soon as I meet with Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to lay out this plan and he's going to love it. And it's all going to be sunshine and roses and, and we're going to fart flowers and it's going to be a great 2019 season, right? That's how the coach has to approach it. Because if the coach walks in and says, well, Rodgers, um, so how did you and McCarthy do things? Let's start there. He can't come in and sound dumb. Because I know we all talk about how smart Aaron Rodgers is. I don't know if he's necessarily going to take a head coach serious if that's his attitude. The attitude has to be locked in, ready to go, needs to be motivated as well. Number two is availability. And obviously the coach has to be available. I mean, they're not hiring Bill Belichick. I am of the belief, and I heard this on another show this morning, would it be less risky to interview and hire guys who are available right now, like uh, LaFleur or Adam Gase, who has now been added, instead of... Trying to chase a guy like Josh McDaniels, who is currently locked up with his team in the playoffs. I mean, let's say that Josh McDaniels and the and the Patriots win the Super Bowl. That's nearly a month out from now that they can even have contact. Candidates are going to fall off the board, and coaching staffs are going to start put together. I, the more I think about it, I, I'm I'm rooting for the Patriots to lose more so than normal because I because I normally do right. But man, I'm I'm waiting for I want the Patriots to lose because I don't want to waste time. I don't want to sit here while things are going on outside of 1265 while the Packers sit idle. I just don't like it. 608-796-2558, attitude and availability. We're talking about the head coaching search and maybe what coaches are thinking coming in. Let's go to the five-star telecom talking text line. Caller, this is the Wisco Sports Show. Go ahead, you're on. 
Hey, Bill. Uh, this is Mason. Hey, Mason. Uh, how you doing? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, one thought that I kind of had about uh, the new coach coming in and his attitude with Rodgers, uh, initially, up until the last game of the season, I was kind of thinking that at the level that they play at, yeah, I don't think that a coach should really care about what kind of diva of a quarterback that he would be walking into. But then the last game of the season, the way I saw that uh, I, I don't think Joel Philbin was even there. Nah. Um, you have a quarterback, and this is, mind you, this is a quarterback that they just gave a monstrous amount of money to for a long-term extension with a groin injury, with a knee injury, uh, playing a game that they're just literally, Detroit is just walking away from. And he keeps and he stayed in up until the point until uh, he he had to leave due to a concussion. I mean, number one, Aaron shouldn't have even had he had no business being in that game to begin with. He had no business playing the Jets game uh, injured, but he did. And and they kept him into the point. And what I what I wonder is if these other coaches are looking at that. And realizing if Joe has that little of control on the quarterback, am I walking into? Would it possibly damage my career? Well, that, that's a really interesting question, Mason. And I want to ask you one thing: if if you have just a second, you talked about how the uh, head coach wouldn't be interested and wouldn't really care about the diva that maybe the quarterback is when they come in. Shouldn't they look as that as something they need to rein in? Because as a head coach coming in, I would think there's no adult. Brian Gutekinds, Mark Murphy, they none of them sat Aaron Rodgers down. That may fall on me, and I may have to be prepared for that, right? Absolutely, but but my point is, at that level, they should expect to have to deal with uh, some kind of uh, ego, large egos at that level. So they should be used to having to rein in players. Uh, but the difference is, in other situations, the coach would have the control over the player, as to where it seems like in this situation, it's rather unique to where the player has more control than the coaches. And I don't know if any coach would want to walk into that knowing that that was the deal, saying, hey, I'm coming in. It's a Green Bay Packers uh, historic franchise. Yeah. Looking great on my resume, but I'm going to walk in, and but I have to realize my quarterback is going to call the shots above me, and I have to deal with it. And when things fall apart, like they did in the 28th season, it's going to be my neck on the line, not his. Mason, I'm, and, and I appreciate the phone call, Mason. And you brought up one really good point, and it was nestled in. Well, I, I shouldn't say just one. That was a lot of really good points. One thing that jumped out to me as we were talking there, Mason, and thanks for the, uh, the comment on the five-star telecom talking text line. Is, is you brought up something that I don't know if I've ever heard anybody talk about throughout this whole search, and I think this is important when we have callers on shows, because none of us are in locker rooms, none of us are part of coaching searches, right? We don't know, we're speculating. And I, I liked your point asking, I bet all coaches on some level expect to deal with an ego, especially offensive-minded head coaches who are dealing with quarterbacks, whether it's Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, they're all getting paid a ton of money, all of them. And they all have to have some ego on some level, right? So so maybe, and now I don't think this is the case, but just maybe we're overplaying. 
maybe we're overplaying uh, the fact that the ego is such a big deal. Maybe that's just a part of every NFL job. And and I've never heard that mentioned. So thanks, John. I appreciate the call on the five-star telecom talk and text line. A- attitude and availability. And the attitude, obviously, is pretty much all-encompassing. Everybody talks about the attitude coming into the head coach. Is he going to be offense, defense? That's part of attitude. Is it going to be... Uh, a hardcore commanding head coach who's going to bring in a, an approach where they try to br- come down on Rodgers with an iron fist and just crush that diva, quote-unquote, or, or crush that, uh, um, well, there's a little bit of drama, right? There's a little bit of ego. Whatever it may be, that, that coach and his attitude has got to come in with some sort of a plan. <laughs> they need to know what the hell they're doing. They need to appear to know what the hell they're doing. And I don't know if Jim Caldwell, I don't know if Adam Gase or Pete Carmichael Jr., if they're sitting at home right now, God, I hope the Packers, I hope, God, I hope I get the Packers job because I know exactly how to fix Aaron Rodgers. I've been working on a plan now for a month. I know exactly how to do it. Or, on the other hand, maybe the coaching hire is going to come in and think, I have no clue what I'm getting myself into, but man, I'm going to look like a duck, right? Underwater, my feet are moving and I'm struggling, but I, up top, looks clean. Looks like we know where we're going. We have a direction. Uh, either way, whether they know or not, they cannot give the appearance that they don't have a plan, that they don't have a strong opinion and an attitude about how to fix things. Because if a coach comes in and they look lost, they look like deer in the headlights, there's credibility out the window, right? Nobody's going nobody's to listen to that, nor should anybody. Nobody wants to deal with that. And I like your thought, John. Thanks for the call. Uh, Badgers basketball took a tough loss on the chin last night. If you were a part of our, uh, our New Year's Day show, which would have been, what, on Tuesday, I believe? Tuesday? Uh, yes. I handed out New Year's resolutions to all the teams, and one is looking pretty good. I The only resolution that I handed out to the Badgers basketball team was to make their free throws. Just become a better free throw shooting team in 2019. Leave the struggles in 2018. Go back to the days of 14 and 15 when Kaminsky and Koenig and Trayvon Jackson were they were a sure thing at the free throw. Let's get back to that. Well, last night, the Badgers lost at home to a division foe, and... They shot like like crap from the, from the free throw line. So I want to talk about that. A lot more details from the game last night as well. We kind of have to assess and try to form an opinion. Because the Badgers had a lot of things uh, statistically go wrong last night. Is that the norm? Or is that the exception? Right? Is it going to be one out of five games the Badgers played like this? Or has the whole first portion of the season been a farce? And this really is who the Badgers team is. We'll try to sort through that. And maybe we can come to a conclusion. Coming up next, you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere right here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM, streaming live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. We're talking about the Packers coaching search, just wrapping up the talk about the Packers coaching search. And uh, John really pointed out a good point in his call on the five-star telecom talking text line. And maybe we're overplaying the whole ego of Aaron Rodgers in this coaching search. I suppose... At any point, especially coaches that deal with quarterbacks, you're expecting a little bit of that. I mean, Matt Ryan's getting paid close to $30 million a year. Jimmy Garoppolo's getting paid thirty. Matt Stafford, they're all getting paid a ton of money. There has to be a little bit of ego involved. I'm sure some more with others, but maybe that's just a an occupational hazard, and we're making more of it than it needs to be, and I appreciate John pointing that out. 608-796-2558. I don't know how you can follow up, John, but you can try on the five-star telecom talking text line. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, something that we're not overlooking and something that's not being overplayed, I know 100% for sure, is the Badgers' free-throw shooting woes. They lost to Minnesota last night, 59-52, to at the Kohl Center. 
you know, they lose this game at the barn. It's it's a little bit easier to swallow, especially in the manner that the game went down. But just the fact that it was a cold center felt like a great opportunity to get a Big Ten win and, and stay undefeated. They would have been 3-0 in conference play. Instead, they fall to 2-1 and sit at 10-4 and on the season. They are at 22. We'll see if that changes. One thing that I... Like I said, if, if you were here for the, the New Year's Day show, I gave out resolutions in 2019 to all the teams. Number one thing I had to say was, Badgers, you have to make your free throws. Because, let's face it, I love the NBA. I love college basketball, in a sense, as well. There's differences between the NBA and college. Just like there is in any professional sport versus its college underling, right? The game is slower. Defenses are nastier and tougher. It's easier for a, a poor opponent to play in a style that forces the superior opponent to play down to their level, which makes things like foul trouble and free throws and like the gritty, nitty, down-in-the-mud portions of the game, it make them a big deal, right? In the NBA, if you're the better team, over the course of four quarters, you can find a way to win without making free throws. Now, in the playoffs and the finals, that's a different story. But in college, man, especially in March Madness or, or against an evenly matched team like I would consider Wisconsin and Minnesota to be, those little things matter. Those nitty gritty, ugly details that we don't often like to focus on and often get surpassed in the NBA. We just we just start to ignore those things. In college, they matter. And free throws is a huge deal. I said in 2019, if you can just make more free throws, you will win games. And it's so easy to look at some of these Badger losses and say, well, if you just shoot okay from the free throw line, you win. That's it. It's the, it's the only uh, takeaway. And there were more than one takeaway from the game last night. But, I mean, Ethan Happ had 17 points. He didn't have an amazing night. He was 0 for 1 from the three-point arc. He actually took a three. That was kind of funny. 12 points. Uh, three for Iverson. Four for Davis. I mean, Brad Davison can't score four, and and the Badgers win. Demetri Trice can't, can't score eight, and the Badgers win. Don't get, don't get me wrong. But Khalil Iverson went one of four from the stripe. Ethan Half went one of seven. I mean, I mean, you're leaving points on the court. Badgers only scored 52 points. All right, 52 points in 40 minutes of play, there's a lot of points to be left out there by missing free throws. And I know they're not classically a great free throw shooting team. Ethan Happ is going to struggle a little bit from the free throw line as a lot of centers do, and there's only so much you can do about that. It's not just as easy. You know, you watch with a bunch of grumpy family members or, you know, you watch it at a party and people are drinking. It's like, just practice your free throws. Just shoot more. You know, shoot them when you're sweating. Shoot them. Do do these guys shoot them after running laps so they're out of breath? Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a Division One Big Ten college basketball program. Sometimes just some players aren't as good at shooting free throws. Yeah, that's just the way it goes, and I understand that. One of seven, though, that's a hard to, hard number to swallow. One of four from Brad Davison, especially. That's a tough number to swallow. Reavers went three for four, and I and I can get over that. Iverson went one of four. I can get over that. I just it's a tough number to swallow from some of your better players. One of seven is horrible to swallow. Especially because he lost by seven points, fifty-nine to fifty-two. A couple of the other trends I was reading game recaps and just trying to pull out nuggets and and things to talk about about the game today because it's been a while since we've talked some Badgers basketball. And the question that kept coming up, and, and maybe this is a cliche in sports radio, I don't know. You guys tell me. Uh, was a game like last night the exception to the rule, or or was it the rule? And now we are what are we fourteen games in with this Badgers team? Yeah, we sit at ten and four. There's some good wins in there, don't get me wrong. There's some bad losses, like Western Kentucky was awful. But I'd like to think we have a good feel for this team. But with only a 14-game sample size, you know, a team can fool you for a stretch, right? That's not out of the question. Is Was last night or the Western Kentucky game, was that 
the normal for this Badgers team and those great losses were exceptions or vice versa, right? So that's something interesting to talk about. And some of the trends that I discovered last night in, in reading and I had to do some digging, the discrepancy of shooting for the Badgers between their wins and their losses is massive, right? Normally, you don't want to see huge swings. You don't want to be a hot and cold team because you don't want to be in a position where if you're going to shoot poorly, you just say, well, I guess we'll guess we'll lose, right? You, you don't want to be in that position. So Wisconsin is shooting 37.8% on three-point uh, shots in games that they win, right? Oh, excuse me. They're shooting 37% uh, on the season, and that's tied for second in the Big Ten. That's, that's pretty good. 37% in college on three-point shots is pretty good. That's actually second in the Big Ten. There's some good programs in the Big Ten. A lot of good players in the Big Ten. 37.8%. That's almost 38%, and that's second in the Big Ten. But here's where the discrepancy lies, and I'm, I apologize about my um, my misspeaking. But in the Badgers' four losses, compared to their season-wide average of 38 points, 38%, excuse me, in their four losses, they've shot 26% from beyond the three-point line. In other words, normally the Badgers are pretty good from the three-point line, but when they go cold, boy, oh boy, do they go cold, and it's stacked up to losses. They've lost four games, and in those four games, they've shot 19 of 72 from beyond the three-point line. In other words, they've lost games because they've just gotten cold and they don't hit shots that they normally hit. 14-game sample size, are the losses closer to the realistic expectation? Is the 26 closer to what we're going to see the rest of the year and down the stretch, or is it going to be 37, or is it going to be somewhere in between? I don't know. All I know is to be a consistent basketball team that is going to make the NCAA tournament and compete for seeding and compete to get some wins, maybe Sweet 16 or Elite 8, you cannot be night and day hot and cold like that. It's just not a way that you can win ball games. On that same note, and let's continue on that same trend in terms of hot and cold, Demetrius Trice, is, uh, he's been one of the best examples of that, right? Now, he's been a great scoring compliment to Hap, and that's been an improvement on last season, right? It was Ethan Hap and everybody else last season. When Brad Davison was healthy, he was great. Demetri Trice wasn't, through injuries and through struggles last year, wasn't a very effective player. Now, this year, that's been a little different. He's been a nice compliment. But the problem is, in Wisconsin's four losses, the games where they've lost, once again, we're just cherry-picking those, he is 2 of 22 from beyond the three-point line. 2 of 22. He was 2 of 7 against the Gophers. He had four turnovers to boot. 2 of 23 from beyond the three-point line. Which means, that's right, if you were listening closely, and I wasn't the first time, so let me reiterate, Trice made two three-pointers last night. So, outside of last night, Demetri Trice, if he doesn't make a three, the Badgers lose. (laughs) Isn't that wild? He's 2 of 22 on three-point shots in their four losses, and both of his makes were last night. Hot and cold. You need a little bit more consistency. You need an offense, and you need a style of play that's replicable every night. Something that you can recreate. Not something that's a flash in a pan here and then gone the next second. We were talking about that a little bit earlier with Aaron Rodgers. And when he gets crazy and decides to run the offense by himself. It's a great secondary skill set. We've seen him win games, especially against the Cowboys a couple of times doing that. But in the first quarter and the second quarter of a regular season game against the Cardinals, you need something to just fall into. You need a norm. You need a primary skill set. And what are the Badgers? Are they a a, a great three-point shooting team up at the top of the Big Ten behind, I would imagine, only Michigan at second place? And occasionally they have bad nights. Is that this Badgers team? Or are they a a pretty poor three-point shooting team who has found a way to get hot when they've needed it the most? I don't know. I think only a a larger sample size is going to tell, but... 
You don't have to look very far in the, in the numbers. When they lose, they shoot poorly. Plain and simple. They're shooting just just over 26%, less than 26.5% from the three-point line in losses. Now, in wins, they've been pretty good. But in losses, they've really shrunk and, and pair that with the fact that they cannot shoot free throws to save their life. Ugh. Awful. Five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558. Uh, Andrew says the last two games are proof that the Badgers' start of the season was a farce. Okay, so Andrew has an opinion. Without lights out shooting, Haps tries to take over and the offense falls apart. I love the Badgers, but this team is in general too young, too unathletic, and simply does not have an offense that's built to come from behind. Despite all this, I hope they can turn it around. Uh, thanks, Andrew, for your thoughts as always. Man, that is strongly worded to call anything a farce. I mean, they have some great wins, uh, both on the road and in neutral site games against some quality opponents. I mean, all top, you know, power five opponents. I, I, I think you can make a case that it's been a farce, Andrew. I, I think they need to get a little bit more consistent and need to work on that. And last night, Andrew, and this is my point, and when I said when 2019 started, you know, new year, new team, hopefully, you got to make your free throws and you're just going to win games. Last night, if the Badgers take care of business at the free throw line, they're one or two buckets away from winning that game. Like it didn't you didn't need a lights out shooting performance last night from the Badgers. You just needed an okay game and to hit your free throws. They had an okay game as miserable as they were. They went almost 9 minutes without scoring a bucket in the first half. As miserable as they were, they were right there. And a couple of turnovers sunk them at the end. Make your free throws and you're a bucket or two away. It wouldn't have needed. It wouldn't have required a lights out shooting effort last night from the Badgers. And I get what you're saying. In the games that they've won, yeah, they they've They've shot the hell out of the ball, to put it plainly. Especially Brad Davison and Demetrius Trice. The problem is that consistency all, all, hasn't always been there. And, and when you don't shoot free throws well, it's easy to get exposed against a team like Western Kentucky. And against, look, I think Minnesota's a good team. I think they have some good players. But you were at the Cole Center last night. You were coming off a stretch where you were pretty well rested. Your team is healthy. You, you just make your free throws and play okay. And you win that game. And I started this segment to say the NBA free throws matter, but not as much in regular season games against mismatch opponents. If the Bucks play the Hawks tonight, and they do, by the way, right here on WKTY. Actually, they're over on WIZM, excuse me, because we have local action here on WKTY. If the Bucks play the Hawks tonight, and they do, the Bucks could afford to shoot poorly from the free throw line, right? They could probably even afford to shoot poorly from the three-point arc as an extension. Because the NBA, they have quarters, the games are longer, the players are better, and they're better at just flipping that switch. In college, those nitty-gritty, ugly, dirty details that we love but hate at the same time, like free-throw shooting and turnovers and and three-point percentage, although to a lesser extent, those things matter. Oh, yeah, free-throws matter. Because the Badgers only scored 52 points. They scored 52 points. They scored 14 points, I believe, in the first half last night. Maybe not 14. Maybe it was 16. Not important. Scoring is down. Points are hard to come by in college basketball. Defense. Free throws, right? That used to be what the Badgers did. And they could buy wins that way against um, better opponents. They could match up against Tom Izzo and maybe steal a win because they play great defense and they hit their free throws. They're not hitting free throws. And when they don't shoot the lights out, like Andrew said, that's why you lose. 59-52 and they fall to 10-4, and 2-1 and one in Big Ten play. And they have a stretch coming up. They have a big stretch coming up. Penn State uh, before they really start to run the gauntlet of Big Ten play. When we come back, I, I kind of left it open. We're going into the weekend. Having a fun Friday show. I'm enjoying myself. We got about eight minutes. We got a couple of things. This loss to the Gophers. We have, uh, or excuse me, we just talked about that. We're talking NFC playoffs. Excuse me, my goodness. We're talking to NFC and NF- uh, AFC playoffs. NFL playoffs this weekend. What's more interesting? 
What's going on in, in the world of the NFL this weekend? The Bucks have a huge game on Saturday night. I'm actually trying to look for tickets. I might try to run to Milwaukee. They play the Raptors, and that's going to be an absolute showdown. The Pfizer form is going to be bumping. And then we also have this chatter about the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I just I got to get something off my chest. So a bunch of things going around right now, and if, if, if you want to share your opinion on anything, 608-796-2558. What are you most interested in? Playoffs? For the NFL, because I think that's always fun. It comes but once a year. Bucks raptors a huge regular season game on Saturday night. And the NFL Hall of Fame released some finalists yesterday, and I'm I'm not happy about it. Maybe you don't share that sentiment, but if you do, f- feel free. Please chime in on the Five Star Telecom Talk Attack Time. We wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next year on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm excited for the weekend. Hope you are as well. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been a fun week here on the Wisco Sports Show all the way through uh, back to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. We've talked a lot of fun stuff. We were talking Packers coaching search earlier today. And if you're just maybe hopping in the car, maybe you're stuck at work a little bit extra tonight or you're, you're driving around and you missed the start of the show, you missed miss the coaching talk, uh, which, of course, is the talk of the state right now. Perfect. Don't be upset. You can go to WKTYsports.com, click on the podcast tab, and right when we're done with the show, like at 6.05, that'll be up there. So you can go rewind, you can check out pieces that you missed, or should you want to check out something again because it was just that good? If you want to hear something again, you can do that as well. Check out the podcast portion of uh, WKTYsports.com. Because I know your commute in lacrosse may not be that long. Maybe you don't get to hear everything that we talk about. And I don't want you to have to miss out on content that you uh, that you want. You want to talk coaching search? You can go find it there. Uh, a couple of things going on this weekend. It's kind of a potpourri between the NFL playoffs. Some games on Saturday, some games on Sunday, which I love. Um, the Bucks play the Raptors. They also play the Hawks tonight. But there's 82 regular season games in the NBA. Not one really stands out. Sunday night, Saturday night, excuse me, does. Uh, the Raptors and the Bucks. I think the rest of the NBA media in the country is trying to decide who the best team in the East is. Bucks fans, myself included, will say it's the Bucks hands down. But I, I think everybody else is going to look at this matchup as, um, well, we'll see. Right? The Bucks have the, the best record, and, and they are technically the best team in the NBA right now. Let's see. Saturday night game at home. You get the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. Prove it. See what you can do, right? That's going to be a huge game, and I hope the fight. Man, I... I'm going to go home tonight and look for tickets. I'm going to see if I can find tickets for tomorrow night's game. On one hand, I almost hope that I can't find any. But if I do, I I think I'm going to try to go uh, because that's going to be a wild game. You know, Dave Carney, you know, for as much as Dave loves to talk about Bucks, he's got the Bucks president on their show in the morning, Peter Fagan. Could you get some tickets, Dave? Give me some tickets, man. I'm trying to drive across the street. Uh, The state's taking some Bucks basketball. So we got that going on. Um, What's more interesting to you? If you're not a Bucks fan, I understand Saturday night game. Uh, that Saturday night game, by the way, if you're not a Bucks fan, maybe you're trying to get into it. Would be a great opportunity to sit down and watch two NBA teams who I would imagine are going to lay it all out there for all four quarters and some really good players, Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and Kawhi Leonard, obviously most of all, but some good players on both of those two teams. Really deep teams and both play really good defense as well. So if you're looking to have a good NBA experience, where in the past you haven't found such luck, Saturday night might be your time and place. Bucks are going to play at seven thirty. Uh, hosting the Raptors. But of course, the NFL playoffs are going on, and I understand that too. What's more important to you? What's more interesting and why? 608 796 2558. You can also reach out on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. That's my account. You can find me there. Uh, if you want to throw me a follow or tweet at me during the show, I would love that. You can also tweet at WKTY as well. Uh, what's more interesting to you this weekend? And another thing, I hinted at this before we took our previous break. 
So the Pro Football Hall of Fame puts out all their finalists, right? And, and there's a couple that I love. I, I love Tony Gonzalez. I didn't get to watch him play a whole lot. I saw more so the end of his career than the beginning or the middle. I love him as a broadcaster. I've never met him, obviously. He just seems like a good dude. He's a guy I can get behind for the Hall of Fame, and obviously he's going to be a first ballot guy. Um, that's part of the conversation. I believe Ed Reed is up. Speaking of safeties, why the hell is Leroy Butler not up? What? Why is John Lynch up for consideration before? I like John Lynch. He's up for consideration before Leroy Butler. Really? Just just go look at the numbers. And obviously, for a good portion of my life, I was not either alive. Or aware enough to notice either one of these two players and, and take in the stats and take in all of these things. Just go back and look at the numbers. This is not complicated. This is not complicated at all. Leroy Butler was superior in multiple categories. And by the way, you know what? Leroy Butler could actually rush the rush the passer. Teams actually had to be like, well, Butler might be coming off the edge. Butler can actually get to the quarterback instead of just sitting back there and ball hawk. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix was the Packers interception leader earlier this year, and everyone's like, how can you trade him? I'll look at all the picks he's got. Yeah, imagine him, but more interceptions. He could also rush the passer, and he could actually tackle, and he actually had a nose for the ball. I like John Lynch, and I he's just the darling of the NFL right now because he went from broadcasting to a general manager position and a franchise everybody loves with a coach that everybody loves and a quarterback that everybody loves goes on a date with a porn star. And he's, quote-unquote, turned that team around, although I think there's some picks that haven't really worked out, like Reuben Foster. And I like Solomon Thomas, but he, we'll see. Not a whole lot yet. And Jimmy G blew out his knee, so it's tough to tell. And we all love John Lynch, and we love to think that he's doing a great job out there. Not that that matters anyways, although I understand the optics of the situation. And Lord Butler's not even considered... He's not even considered. The dude is an icon at the time. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. And and he can rush the passer. And all of his statistics are specifically better than John Lynch. It's cut and it's dry. It's easy to see. I have no problem with John Lynch being considered as long as Leroy Butler is also considered. And he gets in there first because I'm petty like that. And I didn't watch Leroy Butler play for most of my life. I'm only 20 years old. So it's not like I have personal ties other than wanting to see a Packer get into the Hall of Fame. I just think that's ridiculous. And I don't know what the deal is with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but it's just it shouldn't be hard. It should not be that hard. If you think John Lynch is Hall of Fame worthy, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't, I don't know. Looks as though he's certainly going to get in. Well, then take another player of that same era who was better at everything. Look at his stats. Realize that, oh, yes, he was better at everything. Won championships. Oh, yeah, there you go. Leroy Butler. Hall of Fame, but I guess it's not that easy. So, man, oh, man, that's a story we'll follow. Jerry Kramer I didn't know as much about, and that was obviously such a long battle for him to get into the Hall of Fame, uh, one of the Lombardi-era Packers. I don't get the whole posturing with, well, he's probably not a first ballot. He's maybe a second or a third or maybe a uh, an insert down the line. If he's good enough to get in, he's good enough to get in, and I understand they can't put everybody in every year. Um, but the, this whole thing of, well, maybe next year. Maybe next year he'll be in. Well, he's good enough. Well, let's just put him in. Why do we have to wrestle with this? For the next five or six years. It shouldn't be that difficult. Maybe there's more behind the scenes details. And I we're all just too dumb to understand what the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. But when I see a candidate. And I compare another player at that same position of the same era. And notice that he's better at literally everything. It's just a little confusing, right? That's that's all I'm saying. Local action here on WKTY WKT, tonight. Uh, you can stream online if you don't want to sit out in your car or haul in uh, a dusty old boombox to listen. You can listen at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. 
Here, well, here we go. We got some chat on the five-star telecom talking text line. Quickly, before we go, Boone's Farm, nice to hear from you. The problem with the Hall of Fame is they feel there are too many uh, pagers, packers in already. Hey, man, Boone's Farm, and sorry, I misread what you said there for a sec. That's not the Packers' problem. That's not Leroy Butler's problem. That's not Leroy Butler's fault that he was drafted on the Packers and they have a lot of Hall of Famers. I understand they want to spread it around, and I get your sentiment, Boons, and maybe that's what they are thinking. Uh, and thanks for the thought, but you don't penalize the player for... You don't penalize the son for the sins of the father. I know that's not uh, the perfect analogy, but it makes sense. You don't punish Leroy Butler because he was drafted and played for the Packers. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if he was drafted by the Packers, so don't quote me on that, but played his career for the Green Bay Packers. That's not his fault. Not his fault at all, man. Thanks for everybody who contributed to the show today. John, I appreciate it. As always, Boone's Farm on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. Local action on WKTY tonight. Bucks over on Wisdom, 92.3 AM, FM, excuse me, 14.10 AM. And the Bucks will be on tomorrow night as well. Big showdown with the Raptors. I can't wait. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. Enjoy the weekend with Bucks basketball. And I will talk to you Monday.